Hey, everybody. Fantastic episode of the Web3 show with Elio Trades. We discuss in depth Elon stepping down, the textbook reversal that we saw in the S&P 500, whether crypto Twitter is truly dead, the Polygon and Trump NFT situation, and whether Binance is truly solvent, and if their insolvency would be the bottom of this crypto cycle, and really whether we're about to start a new crypto cycle if we've already seen bottom. So all of these things are discussed with Elliot. It's a great show. As usual, all of our content is sponsored by SoRare. You can sign up at the nifty.com slash SoRare. If you like NFTs and fantasy sports, SoRare is the platform for you. Good morning to the West Coast folks. Good afternoon to the East Coast peeps. You've tuned into the Web3 show with the one and only Elio Trades. We run this show on Mondays and Thursdays discussing all things NFTs, crypto, technology, finance, gaming, everything in between. We love doing it. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, the already introduced one-of-a-kind, Elio Trades, the host of the Elio Trades YouTube show, the founder of Imposters NFT Ecosystem, and Neo Tokyo, co-founder in that one. And then, of course, Gigamart, newly launched NFT marketplace, zero fees, uh, not even two weeks into that thing being live, so love hearing any updates there. Uh, and then, of course, my partner in crime, Nifty Nick, funniest man in the business. The only thing uh, better than his jokes are his takes because the guy is very knowledgeable. We have a lot to discuss today. It's going to be a jam. We're excited to do it. We want to get audience engagement in. So if there's anything that you want to talk about, just ping us in that bottom right thought bubble and we'll do our absolute best to get to it in the show. We'll also be opening up some questions to the crowd that you guys can answer and we'll shout people out by name. And who knows, maybe that uh, participation is going to be something that works uh, into me and Nick's POAP strategy moving forward, even with this show. Um, so topics that we're going to talk about today, Elon stepping down the textbook textbook reversal that we saw on the S&P 500, crypto Twitter being dead at this point, the biggest positives in the NFT space being Polygon as a chain, and then Donald Trump's NFT collection. You can't deny that there's some serious volume there. Um, and last, but well, then also there's a rumor that Michael, Michael Saylor dumped 6,500 Bitcoins. I, I didn't hear this, but I can't wait to talk about it. And then last but not least, maybe we sneak in a little conversation about Discord. Uh, but yeah, I mean, before I go any further, Elliot, happy Monday. How you doing? <laughs> What's going on, man? That was that was the best intro you've made yet. So I just want to say I I woke up feeling good after you introduced me. I feel real good. I feel real, real good. So thank you so much. Uh Pio, always, always wonderful. Um, shout out to Pio. I think I should do a reverse intro here. Shout out to Pio, the founder of the Nifty Portal, along with his uh his trusted co-founder, Nifty Nick, the funniest, most dynamic duo in in a single uh hot tub that you're gonna find <laughs> in the entire Web3 space. That's that's a lot of influence per hot tub. How you doing, Nick? Uh, it's a bathtub, not to correct you, but uh, it's even more intimate than a hot it's tub. True. That's far, that's actually a, a really important distinction. Um, a lot of people are willing to get into a hot tub. That's 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 an everyday activity, you know. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I'm doing all right. Um, I, I'm still I'm uh, out visiting my mom right now. And uh, she's actively looking for her keys. So a very exciting time over here. <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to keep your voice down and, and not disturb her in the other no. room right oh, now. Oh, she was looking for her phone. Sorry, my apologies. 
<laughs> Nick's mom correcting him. Um, I would pay to watch a show of just Nick and his mom, you know, hanging out. Uh, not because Nick's mom is funny, but because Nick is funny. So I'd probably pay for Nick and basically anybody uh, to hang out and just be on a fly, a fly on the wall for that. But anyway, you know, just to kind of kick things off, crypto tw- or just Twitter, not crypto Twitter, but just Twitter in general, uh, you know, had a little bit of a pandemonium event last night, which was Elon putting out a poll that said, should I step down as CEO of Twitter? I will abide by the results of this poll. And I mean, last I checked, the answer was like, yes, you should uh, step down. So, you know, my thought is he knew that that was going to be the result of the poll and that he was already, you know, going to appoint a new CEO. Elliot, what do you think about this? Do you think I'm, I'm on point with that? Or are you thinking a different way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Elon is, he's quite an interesting person, but you could scarcely say that he ever doesn't really know what he's doing. I think he uses the polls in specific to um, to manipulate uh, the outcomes and to sort of effectively uh, defer responsibility for some of the bigger, more controversial decisions. I think that's pretty clear. He's done that a few times uh, where he puts up a poll and he kind of knows his audience, right? Um, and you could even go so far if you're going to be, you know, a, a tinfoil hatter and say he put out the the policy change that he knew was going to have this reaction because the people who are supporting him, his supporting his fan base right now, is championing the viewpoint that he's been championing, which is free speech must be protected and you should be able to say what you want to say. Now, complement that with the announcement that you can't link to like any other social profile, which is ridiculous. Everyone knows that social is cannibalistic, right? That's part of the business model. It's kind of like open source. When you go to social, like you can't stop people from interlinking other networks and other uh, media and other sites. It's just how it's always been. Your Facebook page drove traffic to your Instagram. Your Instagram drove traffic to your Snapchat. Your Snapchat drove traffic to all your other, like that's how everyone's always designed their socials and it's, it's canon, right? So to come out and say, no, we're just going to change the way the internet works because we're having trouble with ad revenue, um, it was an obvious, obvious affront to the people who support him the most. So to do that and then to an hour later say, well, do you want me to step down then? It was kind of like he knew that in that emotional moment where people were reacting to that news story, he was most likely going to get the majority of people saying, yes, step down. So I think this was his graceful exit because... To be honest, I don't think he's he's ready for building a damn app without that much differentiation right now, which is a different thing than you know going zero to one on electric cars or or sort of neo space travel. Um, yeah, and I, I want to hear from Nick on this. What I was going to chime in too, and I think Nick actually kind of had alluded this t- to me in a private conversation a while back, is that people kind of don't treat him like a human at, at some points, you know. And it's it does get to a point where it's like, how many jobs can the guy do? And he's already got some pretty damn big jobs when you really look at what he does. But Nick, go ahead. Um, I'm not as concerned about his jobs. The bigger thing is that he's making. Well, A, I, I wasn't a big fan of this to begin with, only because I thought, like, essentially you need, like, there's going to be, like, unnecessary destruction, and that's just part of the transition process that's going to happen. But, like, the real thing is how damaging can that inevitably be? I'm not sure. I don't have a good answer for that um, in terms of, like, what the long-term ramifications are. But, like, in a lot of the articles you read that are particularly pessimistic are 
definitely slanted. Like I was reading one about like, well, employees can go somewhere else. And I'm like, uh, but like SpaceX employees, for example, don't have many alternative places. And I'm like, what? Like, I, like if, if you're wildly smart and talented, like you, you do have other options. It may not be another uh, space flight uh, site, but there, there are other places, but it is limited, I will say. So there's some validity to that statement. And the argument was like, he's not going to be able to retain um, employees. But with this specific thing, this took a whole new level beyond them just managing employees. And where it went was Elon essentially attacking creators. And what he's not realizing in some of the things that he's uh, doing where he like said, hey, turn off Linktree. And a lot of people said, oh, this, only hurt, this hurts OnlyFans people. It hurts them, but it also hurts a lot of other people that make a, a business as creators and struggle to find a way to like get traffic to their own um, platforms. And Linktree was only that. In fact, we couldn't run ads on Twitter until uh, it was recommended that we switch to Linktree. So I don't know what their new policy is as it applies to that. Because um, you can't have a link to a NFT apparently or something. But that's the thing that's just ridiculous is um, his, the, the, if there's anything about the human element, the, the level of sort of like uh, ego slash lack of um, understanding of the people who are attempting to be creators on the platform, which is pretty much for the long term, the most important thing for them. Like when you think about like Facebook, Instagram, any other social media platform, frankly, I mean, even throw in Netflix or something like that to, to a large degree. The name of the game is like, where is the best content sitting at that the audience wants to consume in an attention economy? And if you take actions to, um, you know, negatively impact those people who are attempting to even create on here, which is, let, let me, let's be honest, like one of the more challenging platforms in the sense that like if you're a video creator you can succeed here but it's not like the primary platform that you go to you're going to go to youtube um if uh, or now short form tiktok um so i think that's the biggest thing that was just the takeaway from this is like he, he's operating on multiple fronts but it doesn't feel like it's necessarily like strategic it's like a lot of short-term sort of actions that need to be taken without clarity. He did state the long-term vision, but I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of sort of um, uh, like him, him having access to the keys to just turn on and off features. I don't even know if like the new Twitter blue is live to be complete. Like I have no idea. Um, so there's all these different things that are like, we're just waiting on and, and he's, he's being, rash with those decisions and it seems to be like and and it's on display for all of us to see because it's ha he's tweeting about it so i think that's the thing that's just like holy yeah, shit. yeah i look like when he came in and he was like look i'm the board there's no board i'm firing everyone we're going back to zero and we're going to build this thing scrappy I was saying to my team, like, this is awesome. We're going to get to see, like, a, like, think about how, how historic that is. Like, you get to see one of the greatest minds in the world come into one of the biggest existing networks, like, rip it down to the studs and rebuild it in real time in front of everyone. 
And that was going to be, hopefully, in, in its optimistic sense, that was going to be like the biggest class in modern business you've ever seen, right? Like, here's how you do it, right? It just no no fucks given. Sorry. Like, but just, that's just what it is. Like, let's just completely take all of the, you know, big company sort of pomp and circumstance, red tape and process, toss it to the wayside and just rebuild this thing to make money and, and to also serve people and to, and to completely like crush it. Right. And that was going to be one of the best business clinics we've ever gotten in the history of humanity. But what happened was it became hyper-politicized it be, it became a dumpster fire of money because of the way that like the modern sort of advertising world ganged up on him and it pretty much just put every decision he made into this like polarizing lens where you know even podcasts and and spaces like the one we're doing right now are part of the the contributing factors i'll not say the issues because it's not an issue right but it's a contributing factor that everything he did became such big news and when things become big news they become divided, right? There's, there's some people who support it, some people who don't. And, um, and it feels as though the sort of dream of seeing him really like paint with a paintbrush the way Twitter should be got ripped apart because he realized that the economic issues going on within Twitter were too big even for him to steamroll. And it seems like the big issue here is money, right? The, The big issue is that he's burning money at Twitter and he can't do what he wants to do because if he did what he wanted to do, it would effectively kick his revenue goals down uh, so far down the road that he can't st- he can't uh, like bridge the gap. And so I think if they were able to raise a seed round or, or a bridge round or whatever you'd call it, um, you you might see him be able to effectively do more of what he wants to do. Um, but instead, we have a a less functional Twitter app with more, you know, essentially more drama around it. And, um, and the core communities, one of the biggest core communities, Twitter uh, or crypto Twitter, um, is in a really bad place. NFT Twitter is in a, in a very bearish standpoint. You know, it's very low activity. And so, yeah, I think, I think one of the, the things that he suffered from was just it got, you know, effectively his opponents, his enemies won by hyper-politicizing it. Sorry, go ahead, Nick. I mean, I feel like your view, your, your commentary is through sort of like idealistic lens where it's like Elon's going to come and uh, present. The, the part of it felt like that when he shared like a presentation internally. But uh, the distinction is, is like usually what happens, it, it like uh, if, if a new executive gets hired above you, you're like, oh shit, things are going to change. And then people are like immediately nervous about what's going to happen um, because they usually come in, they make an assessment, they figure out what's going on. And Elon made his assessment in like 48 hours and just started like chopping off heads. And like, not even like, I don't even view it as politicized. I just view it as like basically careless, like in some of those actions, because he's not, I don't know of an example where he's ever done that. The problem is, is he's like a world-class entrepreneur and a world-class entrepreneur does not necessarily make for a phenomenal executive of a massive corporation that said, if you built it yourself, there tends to be a bias where you have such uh, innate sort of expertise on the matter that this has been like a legacy associated with you, that there's, that you have so much, uh, core knowledge associated with it that the ben- the business actually benefits from that entrepreneur staying on board but by and large a someone who who's good at 
basically making crazy ideas get off the ground is not necessarily the person that you're going to hire to come in and be the uh, the executive of uh, of that company. Like if Twitter had, before being acquired by Elon, done an executive search, I'd be uh, absolutely shocked if uh, they came to the conclusion that Elon Musk was the person that was going to, quote, save Twitter. And that's the thing that I think, like, uh, as much as I love to see a business clinic, the business clinic, it is a clinic right now, and it's how to fuck up a company is what we're like watching. And he's doing a great job at it. I'll give him credit on that front. Um, I hope that he actually also like has an advisory team around him that enables him to actually now steer this in the right direction. But he came in and was pretty, I, I feel like not only just like chopped off the heads at the top, but went as brutal as possible, which may be necessary. Uh, you see it done with like private equity deals and that sort of thing goes down. And I understand um, his alignment with needing, needing to generate capital, but he also shot the, the company in the foot with some of the actions that he ended up doing, which is now why he's like in a sudden race to prevent uh, what I'm assuming is a death spiral. And uh, I'm also assuming that there's some uh, financing deal with the Saudis or something like that based on the shots we saw at the World Cup that like he just needs capital to keep uh, this business afloat. And if he's shooting the revenue in the foot with his actions, well, uh, the only clinic you're getting is how to um, manage crises. And that's uh, self-inflicted crises. And that's kind of where he's at right now. Um, and that's why I think even the vote for a new executive actually kind of makes sense only in the sense that it's like he just came in and opened fire like without like just wildly started shooting basically is what it feels like is like i like you i don't like you i like you i don't like you and that's like this is the outcome yeah you definitely I, went hard <laughs> go elliot yeah it's it's just a self-inflicted, it's a self-inflicted wound, but it's kind of the double-edged sword, right? He also spiked Twitter usage numbers and Twitter like key, you know, KPIs, key performance indicators. Like he definitely spiked their metrics with free marketing and his attention. You know, he has like a somewhat Trumpian communication stati- a, uh, a, style. These, a these good days, content right? creator. He's one of the world's best content creators at this moment, and he's doing a great job still to this day. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's so, but the the problem is that, you know, it's hard to be, um, you know, it's hard to be a player on the field and an observer of the field at the same time. And, uh, and I think he's struggling to sort of realize that him being the CEO of Twitter and him being the biggest Twitter are maybe at odds with each other, uh, in some ways. And so, you know, he's just, um, in the end, I think it's a dollars and cents problem. Like if he had more budget and he had some some more uh, aggressive investors, like let's go ahead and assume that when he put his 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 offer in for Twitter, that the market didn't tank aggressively from there, and that Twitter fair market value was actually somewhere around where he bought it. That would be a very different scenario because he could continue to expand and raise money at that uh, valuation without ruining optics. Um, and just dilute himself a bit, but expand his sort of like, you know, essentially alleviate the economic issues. And he could have an excited investor base to be investing along Elon's new brainchild. However, what happened was the economy sort of dropped out below him. He was forced to buy at a price that he didn't really want to buy it out. We, we know that he didn't really want to buy it out at that price. And so 
his sort of antics, uh, again, a self-inflicted wound, right? He was the one who started tweeting about the pricing and all these, like he created the legal necessity for himself to buy it. So he kind of dug his his own hole there. But if he, if he didn't start um, at an unrealistic price with unrealistic sort of, uh, you know, and then the market moved on him, he would be in a different position, right? And so now he's kind of um, robbing Peter to pay Paul or whatever that saying is by dumping Tesla stock, which is still, you know, uh, arguably, I don't want to offend any Tesla fanboys in here, arguably <laughs> overinflated uh, because of the lack Boom. of the, the sort of newly found lack of demand, <laughs> right? Um, and so, look, Tesla is a brand and it's a, it's, a, it's a brand that thrives and it lives and eats and breathes off of future, you know, forward-looking belief, much like um, any of the most, you know, inspiring sort of startup tech brands in the world. And the more that Elon sort of brings the idea that he might not be super focused on Tesla or whatever that, you know, the combination of factors that are leading people to, uh, to lose their sort of belief and, and wholehearted, you know, um, you know, I guess devout worship of Tesla as a brand, that is kind of a, an issue, right? Because that, that's the, that is really the rock star that kind of made the modern Elon, right? SpaceX is great and it's awesome, but like what really made modern Elon is Tesla, and so it's kind of one of those things where if he if he doesn't focus on Tesla, he kind of might lose a lot of the the playing chips that he has, like a lot of the bargaining chips he has to, to really affect the world. That's kind of my my take on it. Even though he has like a lot of capital sort of behind him, I still think Tesla's the engine that has become this like mass that's what made him the, the richest man in the world. So it's kind of like it's kind of like if he loses ground on Tesla he kind of loses ground on his ability to do anything. And so I feel like this whole uh, saga has led to people seeing him as kind of prioritizing Twitter over Tesla, and and that's not good for his overall mission. Uh, I agree. I want to hear what Nick thinks. Go this ahead. This actually is an Elon. It's a quick interjection of another news story, which is that Sam Bankman-Fried was sent back to prison after showing up in court. <laughs> um, oh, boy. So he's not going to get extradited? his own lawyer's... Uh, No, not yet. His own lawyers described uh, his appearance as shocking and premature. Basically, he he fought against being uh, uh, extradited, was sent to jail, and then was like, yo, this jail is awful, Uh, showed up to court. I don't know how he got uh, into court because his own lawyers said that this was premature and he was sent back to jail. Well, he's having a real, Elon's having a better time than that guy yeah. is right now. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, if, if I could just button up and we can move on from the Elon conversation, I think that both Nick and Elliot made good points. I am an Elon and Tesla fanboy, self-admittedly. So that is uh, the perspective that you're getting from me right now. But I totally agree that at the end of the day, the thing that made Elon Elon is Tesla. There's no denying that. Obviously, his other uh, incredibly successful businesses like SpaceX and and you know other entrepreneurial pursuits have been strong. But Tesla Tesla is, you know, the kind of crown jewel of the Elon ecosystem. People have have long been saying that Tesla stock is overinflated, and maybe it is still right now, even though it's way, way down from its all-time high. Um, I, I do believe that it is a very volatile stock. I am personally buying it here, even though it's my biggest uh, stock market holding. And I do think that um, he's going to get back to like, you know, having Tesla be a darling of the market. And I think that he will hire somebody that's solid 
you know, as the Twitter CEO, whether or not it's the first hire that he makes, I don't know, maybe hire someone, they, they're in the spot for six months, Twitter doesn't die, but it's not performing as well as it should be, he fires them, who the hell knows, but I, uh, I actually do have faith that he can, you know, get somebody in the seat that'll actually do a good job with Twitter, because we all know that it wasn't doing that great of a job before. The bottom line is, is is this kind of the the biggest uh, example of public flailing by Elon that maybe we've ever seen? I would say yes. I guess you, you have to dial back to like the 2016, 2017, or maybe it was a little after that, 2018, uh, you know, when he was tweeting about the stock price and the SEC was going after him. That's basically the most recent low that you could even compare to this, I think. And it's kind of been up only since that example. That was, if you guys remember, when Kathy Wood infamous, infamously or famously called that t- Tesla would go to three grand when it was at rock bottom and everybody like laughed at her on TV, but she was right. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what comes of it. Um, all I know is Twitter was not doing like amazing before Elon laid off an ass load of people. The app still runs. I understand that it's not like smooth sailing right now. I didn't appreciate not being able to do our morning show on Twitter on Friday, although we had a great time doing it on YouTube. But you know, those are, those are my long and short thoughts about Elon moving on to the second story. Um, and, and ladies and gentlemen, definitely you know, tweet any comments that you have about what's going on. If you click on that little thought bubble on the bottom right, definitely tweet. Um, you know what you think, and we'll we'll do our absolute I, I, best I, to bring I'll, up I'll some comments. Down there. I, Elon's a whiny little kid. Okay. Well, there you go. Someone here, I'll, I'll read one right here. Wynn said, don't ever put your un- unconditional trust in one human. M- many greats have fallen and many more will. Uh, SPF anyone? Uh, humans are fallible. Great point. Absolutely great point right there. Um, but moving on to the next story for now. Uh, S&P 500. Uh, Elliot, what do you make of what we're seeing in the markets? We're nearly a week removed from the FOMC meeting, 50-point basis hike. What do you think that we're seeing? Yeah, uh, to me, this was, you know, obviously I don't, I don't put a ton of stock in TI. I know TA does hold up. I'm not the expert here. However, um, what we're seeing right now, and I want to, uh, to link this tweet somehow, um, I, I will send you this image. Um, I'm not sure maybe there's a, a tweet of it, but anyway, there's a, there's a really simple image. If you look at the SP 500, there's a sort of descending trend line here um, that was just essentially rejected again. It's now the fourth like sort of major touch point on this rejection, and it sort of implies downward targets. Uh, well, you know, essentially new lows. Um, but you know what we're seeing is just what we've been predicting the whole time, which is that the market has been kind of like every big rally in these bear markets is is pretty unreliable, right? It's very unreliable. And that's why I've been screaming, like, don't rely on them and don't sort of get suckered into them because they are seductive. Like if you see a rally go on for three months and all of a sudden you've retraced, you know, 20, 30% of the drop, uh, it starts to become real sexy to kind of think, okay, let's let's jump in and let's start playing. I just saw some some people make some some massive gains. Um, but in the end, you know, the, what we're waiting for is a sustainable investable bottom, which, you know, I've said for a while now, I think 2023 is likely the, the time we see that. Now, it'll also probably come in tandem with, you know, the bottom is the bottom is a sentiment thing. It's a news thing. It's a it's a price thing. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who sustains through this next year. Um, because it's been hard enough to sustain through this year, but to then see, you know, things potentially get a little worse, 
uh, price wise, and then you know stay boring. That's what really kills it. So I think what the the optimistic view here is, you're seeing some really durable communities um, that are that are just unwilling, like unwilling completely to wave the white flag um, during this bear market, and that's really exciting because if people, let's say in Q3 of 2023 are still like really doing well, building community, making content, making, you know, essentially serving their communities and growing their projects. Um, like once the market does come back, you know, optimistically that we get another cycle within the the normal sort of four-year window that we're used to it, uh, that's a really good opportunity to say, okay, who literally crushed it during the bear? Who has like this battle-tested community that's cer- certainly not going to run away during the bull? Uh, like these are the places that are kind of not easy or guaranteed bets. I don't want to use those words, but that's where I'm going to be putting, you know, my focus and my investing attention is on the, on the teams that just said, you know what, we're not going to give up and we're not going to go away and we're not just going to wait for, uh, smoother sailing times. The, the, also the good thing about that is when you win over these bear market survivor communities and you win over, uh, the, the sort of people who are just the buyers of last resort, think about how powerful that is when you actually have a community of people who are not selling when they're 80% down, 90% down, but they're actually kind of like long-term believers in the space, it's a lot harder to shake people who have like a belief in the ideas and the ethos of, of the entire industry. And that's a really exciting thing for the projects who are able to maintain community through this time, because that's really a bedrock community. Uh, and and that's a, those are the people who you want. Um, when the bull market flips on again, and people think that they can get easy money out of being a part of your community. Those people are not loyal in any way to your project, to your to your to what you're spending your life building, or to the community. They're loyal to quick money, and they will come and they will go as fast as they've arrived. And so, uh, these are the people you want to be fighting for: the people who are still here, because they're way more valuable. They're a hundred x, a thousand x more valuable than the sort of the tourist community members. And um, and seeing who has like a real army of these uh, of these community members left through the bear, that's really exciting. And so there's a lot less noise in that regard, and it's going to be really exciting to see. Okay, come mid 2023, you know what what does the the playing field look like? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the the kind of perspective there. You know, I was watching uh, Bankless, and one of the Bankless guys was kind of making a call, and he was saying he thinks January 2023 is the start of a new crypto cycle. They pointed out that, you know, uh, the FTX debacle, Three Arrows Capital, Terra Luna, um, you know, the the hawkish, you know, action by the Fed, um, you know, everything there like signals that we're at or near bottom and there aren't that many more dominoes that can fall. I believe that the FUD of last week was that uh, Binance was insolvent I haven't heard any of that FUD this week. The FUD of three or four weeks ago was that Genesis Lending was going to go bankrupt. In fact, it was that they had 24 hours before they were going to be uh, forced into bankruptcy. 24 hours. You got to love when a rumor has a time limit. And then you're almost a month later and it just turned out to be BS. Um, So, you know, it does make you start to wonder if... It is the start, you know, the very beginning of a new cycle. I don't know, Elliot, you've been around the block. Any thoughts on that? You think that there might be any validity to that on the crypto side? Yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, so the macro, so if we weren't in the macro storm that we're in, if this wasn't like this unprecedented kind of debt, debt cycle thing, I would say 
100%, this is a textbook sentiment bottom. Like, just essentially FTX causing so much distrust out of everyone that it becomes that that you just start looking for insolvency everywhere. And while I think that it's always a healthy practice and good for the industry for people to self-custody their coins, and you know, obviously we've been saying that forever, everyone's always been saying that forever, but now people are like, there's the urgency where you're like, okay, well, I don't want to lose everything, so I'm going to pull everything off these exchanges. Um, look, Binance and, and the way that uh, CZ has acted is definitely like eyebrow raising a bit. Um, but it's also, if you know, CZ's history, like this is kind of like how he communicates. So I wouldn't say it's too out of the norm for him, uh, to be vague and to be overly kind of like, you know, donkey on social media. Like he, he knows how to be a content creator himself. Um, now does that mean that Binance is ultimately solvent? I don't know. I also think that I read some, some other breakdowns of how, you know, the, the F like where FTT death spiraled to zero, which was effectively the downfall of FTX. Uh, the the belief is that BNB is somehow um, has hidden leverage within Binance ecosystem. Now we know that BNB uh, was being paused as a collateral use in um, on Binance as of a couple of weeks ago. That's probably the area that you'd find the biggest you know weak point if there is an Achilles heel in the Binance operation. Here's the problem: if all of BNB open interest and sort of futures interest is happening on Binance, which pretty much it is, then how do you how do you have a death spiral if they're the ones kind of controlling the one place where it could death spiral? It's less risk from like it, it so there's two conversations. One, should it be that way? The answer is probably no. The other answer is, well, is this likely to in reality go to a death spiral? It feels less vulnerable than FTT. Now less doesn't mean zero. It could anything could happen, and I think if you don't believe anything could happen at this point, uh, you're 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 smoking something. Um, but I will say there's like two there's sort of two things in my mind, which is one, do I think CZ is like is is kind of just like this rogue warrior that's ready for battle at all times? Like he really does kind of give those vibes of like ready to fight for his life at all times, and kind of has been. But then there's the other you know perspective, which is Binance is kind of the last the last sort of the last standing part of this unregulated offshore industry that really has like no accountability and and it's really hard to kind of deal with like Binance is this very very like they're very much that OG crypto spirit uh and now that FTX is has come down if Binance does end up going you know going out of business that would kind of usher in the next era of like the government kind of fully having their claws into like all the on and off ramps, which I feel like is something that, you know, we all hate, but might be the case in the future where the government does kind of like really stringently control on and off ramps. And Binance feels very much not in that camp yet. And so there's a part of me that feels like if they are going to keep going, it's it's going to start becoming a battle uh, because they're going to start becoming under so much scrutiny um, from from government regulators that I'm curious how it all plays out. Um, but I don't think they're as vulnerable for the death spiral. I mean, if you look at their reserves, they, they had like $5 billion of reserves and it looks almost invisible on their chart. So, you know, there's, there's sort of very many parts of this. Um, but I think we might look back. There's a part of me that keeps, that keeps saying in the back of my head, like this Binance FUD is the, is like the bottom, you know, like, you know, obviously I, I don't think it's true because of the macro, but my, like my DGen brain is going, this is peak FUD, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought that the day of the FTX collapse was basically peak FUD. And I mean, I think it kind, at least for NFTs, it kind of was. You could buy a Ute from the D-Gods ecosystem for 500 USD because of how like severely impacted the price of Solana was plus the price of NFTs was going down. And, and that day was so bad that you were nervous to even have capital on any exchange and obviously but like and from the perspective of like i didn't want to buy solana on the exchange to try to get the solana off to buy the diga uh, the the ute because i didn't know if buying the solana was going to be like just taking the money and flushing it down the toilet so yeah i mean i think that we've we've approached peak fear i don't like besides binance actually going down or you know something similar i don't know what could cause you know more fear than where we're at nick i saw you wanting to raise your hand something to comment on on what elliot was saying i did raise my hand uh the yeah, the Binance thing is, um, uh, it's more ridiculous. The thing that you have to keep in mind is, um, did they did they lend themselves uh, $8 billion and lose it in the way that uh, FTX did? And my guess is- <laughs> Twice. <laughs> my guess is no. Now, the case of FTX is one of explicit fraud that started from the beginning of the, the, the inception of the organization. Like, they didn't have- a, uh, a separate, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, they didn't have like a, a separate entity, a separate bank account. Like it's absolutely ludicrous the way that like uh, FTX was even set up. So it was like fraud, uh, basically like likely fraud since the onset of the organization or some degree of it where there was at a minimum very questionable business practices. To, to uh, your point, Elliot, the reality is, is that, like, you can have a run on the bank. The distinction, though, is like at which point they need to shut things down. And FTX had to shut things down way early on. Like, you know, uh, they couldn't handle more than like a couple billion dollars worth of withdrawals. Or, and I don't know what the total amount was that was withdrawn in the days leading up to them uh, freezing things. I think uh, Binance could uh, handle far more. The bigger issue that happened after FTX was that uh, it, it was more like, is my money safe anywhere was kind of a question that um, in, the, in the crypto ecosystem outside of my own wallets. Um, but like, we, you'd be unreasonable not to be like, uh, hey, I wonder if these stable coins that I'm holding are worth anything, even though it seems unreasonable, just suddenly in that moment, we we you have to now take the the most extreme precautions but yeah binance i don't feel is in the same level of risk that said there is a level of risk if nobody trusts it and when trust is broken i feel like that's typically something that you can't prevent from happening the distinction though in this case is that like you don't have a major holder at least as far as i'm aware of like bnb or any other similar token uh, that is one of the major assets owned by Binance that is like actively fudding it pretty much. Like the fact that CZ essentially tweeted out his desire to sell half a billion dollars worth of FTT, that was like uh, a dagger into FTX and created that death spiral at that point in time. I don't know what the trigger is in the case of Binance or if uh, Binance themselves are the primary holders in which case it's kind of hard to undermine yourself.
Great thinking. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen in the audience, why don't you reply with that thought bubble on the t on the bottom right? Just click on there. Is Binance solvent or not? Like, make a bet. Uh, I'm going to bet that they are, but, you know, you, you never know. And I like the well, way that both Nick and Elliot are thinking about it. Nick, go ahead. I, I don't even know that it, the question is, are they solvent? That's, that's, a, that's a crazy situation. The question is, is like, do you think that um, they're like how what are the odds of like actual collapse um insolvent would mean that they're like bankrupt that like infinite definitively they don't have uh, enough assets if if you don't have enough assets to cover uh deposits then yeah that's a whole other uh situation that's that, that's just crazy to think though yeah so maybe that is the valid question are they solvent <laughs> I just wanted to keep well, it that, simple. Well, that's that's the only question, yeah. right? Is is are they solvent? I mean, if if not, I, who cares about anything else? If you have if you have your deposits there, right? Like that's the only job of a centralized exchange is to make sure that you can get your money out when you want. Um, and uh, and look, I don't know. You know, there's a part of me that feels like CZ. Um, you know, who knows? Like, I, I don't want to make any predictions because because at this point, it's it's foolish. If you have coins on any, on the exchange, you're asking to lose it all. Get your coins off of an exchange. Uh, do I think CZ is is uh, insolvent? <laughs> we'll find out. I think he's got a lot on his plate, and he's been sort of enemy number one from a regulatory standpoint for a while, and that's now like times a hundred x. So there's a lot of things going on. Anyway, I think we can move on to the to another topic because we've talked around it enough. And quite frankly, like I think that we're going to see. Uh, once again, macro drive everything, right? We, we've seen more downward uh, sort of price action uh, due, you know, in tandem with the S&P than we did almost with, uh, with the FTX collapse. And I think that that's a really good indication of what drives markets, which is liquidity, right? It's just all a dance for liquidity. And as the Fed is removing liquidity, you don't fight the Fed. And, you know, really understanding their process for introducing more liquidity into the markets, this centrally planned, uh, predictable uh, economy, that is the under, that is just the only thing we should be focusing on and stop missing the forest through the trees, which is it doesn't matter what this project did or that project did. Like They're all doing their best to survive, um, but surviving is the only goal, right? And all of these pumps, as we've seen, are very short-lived in this bear market, right? Like it, What you're looking for is a community that can attract a, a core base level community and ossify and and stagnate enough to survive. Uh, and that's really the only goal. And the teams motivated by actual impact and not by price will be the ones that make it. And the ones that have a, a, a sort of mission that's larger than price uh, will make it. And um, and that's that's what I'm looking for. And so, you know, the the CZ stuff and the Binance stuff, we file that under things we can't control. Um, however, what you can control is making sure that you you personally don't have coins on there, and and that is absolutely within your control. So um, make sure that you control what you can control, and then we just keep working, we keep grinding, and and in the end, if you paid attention to the news in 2018, you would have thought the industry was completely uh, going to zero and and would have been useless. You would have missed the entire new bull run. Um, and what we don't know, we don't know. What we can't control, we can't control. But we just keep building, and that's why the real builders in the space. They don't follow the news. They're not here in the trenches on crypto Twitter. They're just building, right? And and that's because the mindset you need to build cool stuff uh, shouldn't be clouded with you know the beliefs and the you know the, the daily sort of you know content creator you know I guess gripes because that can be quite distracting. So I'm really excited to see what comes next. And and there are definitely communities where 
you see them doing things and, and pushing, uh, and, and people are getting excited even in these very dry and horrible winter conditions. Um, and so, yeah, I think 2023 is the year where we'll probably see hopefully the bottom. Um, and then that doesn't mean we reverse from there, but that means that you can start getting more excited about the projects that are doing okay, even at the worst possible uh, moment. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Before we move on, one little comment from the audience. Rushi.eth chimed in, said, centralized exchanges are the devil. Thank you, Rushi. Thank you for that insight. Uh, we definitely uh, agree with you there, I guess. Um, so, Elliot, uh, would you? we can talk about the Trump NFTs on Polygon. We've talked about that ad nauseum on the other shows. It's honestly like kind of a funny thing if you like making uh, Trump jokes. But I'm curious to know about this sailor dumping 6,500 BTC. I find that hard to believe. I don't, I don't know if I believe yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It seems unsubstantiated. I had my research team look into it. There's a rumor going around that Sailor sold like a huge chunk of BTC, but you know it would have made bigger news. And I think he's got to declare that. Um, I mean, maybe it's only quarterly that he has to declare it, but um, the picture looks dodgy at best. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't want to like lend any credence to a rumor. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, what was it? What was the thing you brought up right before that? Donald Trump NFT. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The number uh, one NFT collection, Elliot. Number one. So my my initial reaction when I saw that was haha, and I even mentioned it on my last YouTube video the day day it dropped. And one of the things that I thought was to myself is like, I have a family member who loves Trump. I'm sure everyone has that one family member who loves Trump. Um, and you don't need to out yourself if you are that person or whatever. Um, the, the thing is, I was thinking to myself, oh, wouldn't this be such a good gift for that person to be like, oh, you could go meet him or go have dinner with him or some kind of perk. And it turns out that that's actually more utility than 99% yeah. of these NFT projects. And that people actually, for someone like him, uh, would want to meet him, right? Whereas like a lot of these like, you know, artists from the 90s and and musicians and whatever, you're like, oh, do I really want to pay five grand to meet, you know, insert blank musician? Maybe not. But like, do I want to give my family member or whatever the chance to go have this like LOL meme dinner with Trump? I think like a lot of people were like, yeah, that's kind of funny. I, I would want to do that. And I think, I mean, if you're asking me, I think that's what put a lot of pressure on it. Um, once people realize that you could guarantee to have some kind of like experience with him. And so, um, yeah, I think that that just like, you know, I thought about it, I faded it and I was just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to like, deal with bridging like the, the funds to Polygon and all that stuff. And so I just didn't, you know, set it, set it up and do it. And then I came back and of course it's pumping like crazy. Um, and it just made me laugh, right? Because uh, I think, you know, it just shows you that NFTs are just like canvas on paper. Uh, when they get used for the things that people actually want, it doesn't matter what it is. If people want a thing that you get from the NFT, then they'll buy it, right? It doesn't matter that's it, that it's an NFT. It doesn't matter that it's crypto. If people want the thing you get for it, which is why I'm so bullish on the gaming stuff, because people already want gaming stuff. So if people want the stuff, they'll pay for it. It's that simple. Um, and it works at scale. Uh, NFTs are just a medium. And uh, and I'm excited to see like where the creativity goes. I mean, the Trump thing is obviously shows that you know these these catalysts can come. Uh, from anywhere. It doesn't mean that we're starting a new bull run. Um, I think the bull runs will come only, you know, the, the sort of mass widespread NFT bull runs will come from lots of liquidity in the markets and expanding economic conditions. Uh, that's that's where you'll get like all these new projects pumping. Um, but you will get sort of individual hits of life when people want the stuff 
that you get from holding the NFTs. And, and it's going to be exciting to see like actual focus on what the NFT does versus just NFTs as a generic concept in the future. Really, really exciting. I mean, I like what you touched on there, which it, it seems really simple, but a lot of people in the NFT space, I think, don't understand this, is that people actually wanted these NFTs. So for people that don't have the full context, Trump basically went full Gary V style. And, and basically, I mean, in many ways, it's, it's a very similar model to the original V friends. The original V friends had FaceTime Fly. That was one of the V friends. So if you bought that one, you got like X number of FaceTimes with Gary per year. There was like court side cobra or something like that. I'm definitely butchering the the animal names, but you got to sit next with Gary at a basketball game, sit courtside with him. In this Trump one, there's like a Zoom call one. There's the dinner one, which when you really look at it, it's very easy to see how they came up with the structure. There's 45,000 of the Trump NFTs. If you bought 45 of them, then you were guaranteed a spot at the dinner. So at most, it was going to be a 1,000 person dinner. Obviously, it wasn't going to be a perfect every single customer buys 45. So they knew no matter what, the dinner is going to come in under a thousand. I'm sure that that family, that business has dinners like that down to a science where Donald's going around shaking everybody's hand for 10 seconds. They get to say that they meet, the, they met the president. I'm sure that there's designated selfie station where you can take a selfie with him, take a selfie with his son, his daughter, whoever, Melania, it doesn't matter. So they have like a systematized business surrounding something like this. And if anything, it's actually a pretty nice bull case for NFT technology, in my opinion. A lot of the theorizing and the things that we talk about NFTs being able to be used for was basically proven in this instance. And the last part about it, and this goes back to the people actually wanting it, is the thing that I talk about all the time is, okay, so there's plenty of people that want to get a mutant ape, for example, uh, which is you know in the number one uh, NFT like ecosystem, right? The Board Ape Yacht Club Yuga Labs ecosystem. A lot of people want that if it drops to a certain price because they believe if they buy it at that price, that's going to be like a temporary pullback and it'll rip up by a three or four ETH on the floor price and they'll be able to make you know a quick five grand holding it for two and a half weeks. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of that. But as far as like human beings that actually want to buy a mutant ape in the world right now and not just for a trade, like actually want to buy a mutant ape right now, I think that number is under 1,000 or under 2,000 people. Like, How many people are like, I really want a mutant ape and they're just not buying it. They're like saving up or something. I just don't believe that there's that many. I think that there's a lot of people that want to trade a mutant ape for a profit, but I don't believe that there's that many people that want a mutant ape. There are a lot of people that want whatever product Donald Trump puts out there. Elliot used the example of like that one family, family member. Trust me, the dude got 70 million votes. There's a lot of that one family member in, uh, in the world that want whatever this guy puts out. Passionate fan base. They go wherever he goes. They do whatever he says. It was a no-brainer that this was going to sell out. The advantage that NFT traders had if they wanted to trade this was that uh, his fans, his following, had to basically get onboarded to Polygon, probably didn't know how to you know, use a, like a, a MetaMask wallet, all this stuff. While it was minting, the volume on the secondary was going. 
And it's not very common to have a project still minting and having that secondary uh, volume really be present and really be pumping. And last bit is a lot of people were pointing out 45,000 is a lot. Yeah, 45,000 is a lot. If you're like random ass NFT collection, if you have a fan base like this guy has, 45,000 isn't that much. There's 20,000 Clonex and there's, or I, I, yeah, I think there's 20,000 clones. There's definitely 20,000 mutant apes. And so you're talking about basically just a little bit more than a 2X on that supply. And the thing was selling for 0.08 ETH. So that's like my long breakdown on uh, why this one was like an obvious uh, call. Nick's saying that he has, a, has to bounce. Before you bounce, Nick, did, did you want to get any last word in? Yeah, yeah. join our newsletter, thenifty.com, T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. You're going to want to sign up there and get a free NFT. There you go. Uh, oh, well, by the LB, way, that's not guaranteed. It. It's that random. Sorry. I, I want to make sure that's uh, <laughs> not, not everybody gets one. <laughs> are you solvent? Are you like, no, are you guys solvent? I'm really curious. Kind point. of a crisis. <laughs> we're, we got, you, we're having some solvency issues. We can't guarantee an NFT for how many, every individual user. I, how many loans have you taken out against the Nifty Portal NFTs and at what price? What's your liquidation price? Um, <laughs> we're complete, we completely levered the business actually on the Nifty Portal. So uh, if that price goes below, yeah. I actually, this is a great thing. I'm going to be like, I want to push the floor price down so I can buy more. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, man, if that floor price goes down to like 0.09, but it's just going to be devastating. So don't do not by any means make the price go that low. I mean, just do not don't try to do that, please. <laughs> well, uh, Elliot, any any closing thoughts? Uh, we got to wrap here in just a minute. But, uh, you know, any closing thoughts on anything we discussed today, whether it be Trump, Elon, you know, any, anything? Yeah, like it's the same thing it's always been. Every week, you know, there's a new reason to get outraged and the outrage culture will spiral. And the best thing you can do is live a balanced life over the next like forever, whatever amount of time it's going to be. Uh, literally, it's the holidays, it's Hanukkah, it's about to be Christmas. Everybody get outside, go talk to your loved ones, go enjoy it. If you're, if, if you're healthy and you're here and you're alive, uh, and, and you're, you're not in the middle of a war zone, you know, then, then be happy because it could be a lot worse. Be, be thankful and just enjoy the time, uh, and know that this market is going to be here and it, there's no rush. You don't need to be like permalocked into, into this, this new cycle. Um, and the more that you balance your life over the next few weeks and months, probably for the better, uh, because the opportunities are here. They're not going to change. They're not going to go away. Uh, nothing's going to slip through your fingertips. Just, you know, keep a healthy long-term mentality and enjoy it. Happy holidays. Uh, feeling very thankful to have an audience like all of you. And we'll be making some more content, uh, as much as we can here. And we're excited to just keep sharing and keep building because this next phase, I feel like the people who are here are going to be here. Um, and if I'm excited to get to know you all to, to continue to make cool content, uh, let us know in the comments section, if you enjoyed this show, uh, happy holidays to everyone and we'll see you soon hell yeah let's go uh, love to hear it check out Elliot's Imposters Gaming ecosystem of course check out his YouTube channel Elio Trades and of course check out the brand new NFT trading marketplace uh, Gigamart which is uh, barely two weeks old so you're getting in early uh, and of course look just subscribe to our newsletter 
thenifty.com, T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. Nick wasn't kidding. We're going to be giving away stuff at random and we're going to be working it into our POAP strategy, which, uh, you know, there's there's a carrot at the end of that. Let's put it that way. Anyway, happy holidays. We'll be back this week. We will catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.